0: Before we get started, ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, present The VC Show with eight time NBA All Star Vince Carter and co host Roz Gold Anwude, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22 year career. That's The VC Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark, over there. Ryan Clark, good to see you, my friend. How was the holidays? I missed you last week.
1: <laughs> I missed you too, brother. The holidays were good, man. We went to Arizona. We spent it with Jordan, got to go see them play for the Territorial Cup. We took a L, but it was still a good game and a lot of fun. And, you know, the wife always throws down, man. Do, do they give you the right type of food out in Cali, or do you have to import it, man, to bring some family members along?
0: Let me tell you what happens, RC. We do traditional turkey, but I make the dirty okay. rice. I make the macaroni cheese. I make – we make it like home, you know what I'm saying, because that was one of the holidays where okay. we used to travel to Louisiana for – but so we try to make it, like, mm-hmm. home, man. It was a good Thanksgiving. I saw you uh, I saw your Instagram saying, look, man, I'm here for my son. I'm not really here to watch the Sun Devils. I'm here to watch my son, <laughs> try to see him shine, <laughs> and then we moving on. But, yeah. RC, right, we back to work, Doug, yes, and coming up on the show, we get joined by Michael Kiesa. We also draft Stuart Scott's best catchphrases. If you see us wearing the Booyah T-shirt, as you know, we always honor yes, Stuart Scott here all at respect. ESPN. And as always, we tap in or we tap out RC tapping in and tapping out is something that we do every week on the show, but obviously someone is kind of tapping out of the main event of UFC 282 Glover to mm-hmm. share. There's been a lot of changes at the top of that card. As we now have Jan Bohovich fighting against Magomed and Kalaev for the vacant, mm. vacant light heavyweight championship of the world. The champion Yuri Prohoshka is, vacating the title. He has an injury yeah. that is so bad, and he said, I injured my shoulder and surgery is required, which will put me out of action for at least six months. Ryan, what do you think about this approach from Yuri Prohaska? Not saying, do an interim, I want to give away the championship as I recover. Does it feel like a Yuri Prohaska type of thing, being that he lives that samurai type of lifestyle, the guy that doesn't want to hold up the division?
1: Yeah, but it absolutely does. I think if, any, if you know anything about the samurai lifestyle is that they believe in honor. A samurai is not the type of fighter or not the type of human that will stab you in the back. They believe that everything should be done with respect. They believe that everything should be done with the perspective of not only serving themselves, but of serving others. And that's what Yuri Prohaska is doing. And on the other side of that, I think not only does it deserve respect, what he's doing and understanding. But I also feel like if you are another fighter in the light heavyweight division, when Yuri Prochaska is again able to step into the octagon, you're willing to give that guy a chance. You're willing to say, you know what, if Dana White believes he's the next up and believe he's ready to fight for the championship again, you're going to give Yuri that opportunity. And I think when you look at the way he's approaching this, it also shows me the ultimate confidence, though, DC. It shows me that he's saying, it doesn't matter if I have the belt or not, if the title of champion is still in front of my name when I'm announced that I am the champion, I am the best in the light heavyweight division, and whenever my shoulder is healed, I can come out and win again. DC, if you were in this position, when you were the light heavyweight champion or when you were the heavyweight champion of the world, if you were in a spot where you couldn't fight for this amount of time, would you vacate the position or vacate the title? No? Mm. Like, are you not even going to answer? RC, I, ain't, I ain't got that much honor. <laughs> I ain't got that much honor, RC. Hey, uh, we'll raise him like that in the boot, huh?
0: Dog, <laughs> no, they was going to have to wait. It started from the lunch line at the cafeteria we were growing up to fighting. I am not vacating my spot in line to eat, even if somebody is starving. I'm eating first, and nobody's getting my championship. Look, I love what Yuri's doing, but I, don't, I wouldn't have done it. But as you said, it speaks to who he is. And as you guys know, you might hear me differently now. I don't really understand technology that good, so my microphone wasn't on before. But, Ryan, Yuri Prohotchka is a samurai. He's a man of the art. He's one of those guys that sees things a little bit differently. But he also has a confidence in knowing, RC that it didn't take him very long to become the champion. So why would it worry him so much about chasing back that championship gold again, knowing that he has already held the title, and by holding the title, it puts him right in line when he comes back? So it's not like he's going to have to come back and fight someone else. He's going to come back and he's going to fight the winner of this fight right now that will be the championship. The person that I think it really affects the most is Glover Teixeira, the former champion, who was 30 seconds from retaining his belt when he fought him the first time. He wasn't willing to fight on short notice, and I think that ultimately it hurts him because – Glover Teixeira was getting an immediate rematch based on how good the first fight was. Yuri Prohoshka wanted to fight him again based on what the first fight was. But Glover Teixeira said, I need more time for Magomed and Kalaev. I'll fight Jan right now, but I need Magomed's time. He goes, I said, okay, I'll fight Jan in Vegas if you're going to throw me off. Jan has a regular stance, and Kaleev is a totally different game. I will need more time. Glover Teixeira offered up to fight him in Brazil in January. But when you look at that, Ryan, do you think Glover kind of saying certain matchups matter are different to me? I cannot make the pivot right away. Give me the time. He's not wrong, RC. Should he be penalized
1: for that? He, he, he's not wrong, but the business is bigger than the man when it comes to the UFC. I've seen great UFC champions, DC. I've seen the Daniel Cormiers, the, the the John Joneses. We've seen the Chuck Liddells. We've had the Conor McGregors. Some of these people that almost seem to be bigger than life, right? Anderson Silver, George St. Pierre. The UFC has not only survived their losses, they've survived their retirements and continue to be one of the fastest growing sports in the entire world. And so when... A guy like Glover Teixeira, who, yes, has worked his way to being a champion after falling in championship opportunities, loses his belt. You love the story of getting that immediate rematch because of how well you fought the first time. But the UFC waits on no man. There are so many fighters in the UFC where you said right now, hey, we're going to give you ankle Uh, for the title that take it right now. That don't ask, oh, I need more time or I need to do this. And obviously he was willing to fight Jan Behovitz because Jan Behovitz is someone that he's already beaten for the belt and he's had that training camp. But that's not how it works, DC. He is no longer the champion. He does no longer hold that title or that cachet because he has the strap. And so I don't think he's being penalized for it, DC. To say he's being penalized, means that you feel he's being treated differently than any other contender in the world would be treated. And he's not. He's being Mm. treated the Mm. same, DC. He's being treated like any other contender who can have an opportunity to fight for the belt. If that's you in this position, how are you taking what Glover Teixeira is having to deal with right now? Like, How are you enduring it and dealing with it? I believe that
0: Honestly, I would do the same thing if I was Glover. I'm like, it's just, it's, it's different, right? So when I was fighting, they told me, as the champ, would you fight Derrick Lewis on three weeks' notice? No, in the matchup, I said, sure. Stipe Miocic, I would not have fought on three weeks' notice because it's a different matchup. When I had to fight Rumble Johnson for the vacant title, God rest his soul, sure, I'll fight Rumble Johnson. When they said Dan Henderson on a few weeks, or six weeks, five weeks, or whatever. I wasn't in camp. Sure, because I know the matchup. But Glover Teixeira also understands that if you give him Jan Bohovic, he has fought him before. He's done training camps for him before. Mag-Man and Goliath is an unknown, Ryan. Nobody knows what this kid really is, especially being that he's so highly regarded. If he was just a young kid that nobody knew that wasn't thought to be a future champion, I think anyone would jump at the opportunity to become champ. But again, we're talking about a 43-year-old man who DC. has been the UFC champion. DC, I have a question. the best of the best.
1: hmm I-, I got a question, DC. Do you think where Glover, how much does where Glover is in his life and career factor into this? And I'm saying that to say this. If Glover Teixeira is 30, right? If he's 30, yeah. he understands that he could lose against Ankalaev and get back with an opportunity to win that light heavyweight title. Does being in this position say, you know what? If I lose to him right now, I will never get another chance. Because I'm going to retire soon. I'm mm. never going to get another chance to do it.
0: Time. 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 Yeah. He doesn't have time to rebuild, R.C. Like, he's 43. Right. Yeah. You, you When you get to this point at this age, you've got to capitalize on it right now or it just doesn't happen. Yeah. At 30, right. when Glover got here, On an 18-fight win streak, Glover was able to work his way up to a title fight against Jones, lose, work his way up into a number one contender's fight against me, lose, work his way back to another number one contender's fight, lose, then work himself all the way back up to the champion because he had time. At 43 years old, you don't have time. So you have to be very selective Mm. with what you're doing. Bro, I I don't disagree with Glover. I think that if I was in the same situation with Ankalaev. Too many unknowns for a guy that isn't necessarily known to the general public, who isn't a guy that everyone recognizes as a top contender because Magomed has not been in the game long enough and he has not stood aside or across the octagon from the people that make you as recognizable as you need to be in order to be viewed in that way. Think about this. Sean O'Malley now has stood across the octagon from Piotr Jan. Sean O'Malley already had a name built in, but now you have the visual of him in there against a former champion doing very well, so you can sell him as a legit title contender. The biggest name that we have seen him in there with is Anthony Smith. No knock on Anthony, but it's not like being in there with Dan Henderson and all those guys that I fought, Josh Barnett, Bigfoot Silva, Frank Mir, before I ultimately got to a championship fight. You need those guys, Ryan, to elevate you to that point to be viewed in that way, and I don't think Glover sees him in that light.
1: Yeah, and especially with a guy like Ankalaev as uh, juxtaposed to where Glover is in his career, I think by not having that sort of name, if you lose to him, the perception of the fans go, okay, you lost to Yuri late, now you lose to Ankalaev. you don't deserve another title shot, or you don't deserve another opportunity at the belt, and you can't risk that, especially being where he is in his career, and understanding that he wants to be champion again after already getting to that point. Or, you, or Ryan, you can't beat the young guys,
0: right? It's a young man's game. Yep. You can't Every time you're in there with the young guys, you cannot beat the young guys, and it's time for them to move on from you. But, again, dude, you also run the risk of fighting Anka and getting mopped up because the guy is that good. Right. You can literally get embarrassed, and then what? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think it's smarter to share him.
1: Well, one guy who is not getting mopped up in the weight room, DC, is my dog, Conor McGregor. (laughs) We around here getting getting swole. And you see, he tweeted though, I am clear for testing in February. I will complete my two tests per USADA and we are booking a fight. DC, DC, we back, DC, baby. DC, we back, baby. We coming back. We might fight light heavyweight, baby. DC, RC. how fired up true. are you about the calm fact down. that my dog calm. Connor No McGregor swole up down, is gonna man. be back at you side in February, ready to down. book a fight, dog? What? Calm
0: down, Ryan. Calm down, Ryan. Woo
1: hoo, bro! We need a 14 <laughs> speed, not a 10 speed. I Ryan. see you, Connor. right, Yes, sir. Yeah. Looking Go. like a swole. Catch you me if you me. can. <laughs> Woo hoo! <laughs>
0: Yeah, D.C. You don't get to do two tests. You don't get to do two tests, bro, and then just schedule a fight. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You got to do six months of testing. You got to do six months of testing. Conor's, like, trying to make his own rules. You don't get to make your own rules. Like, he's saying, like, he's going to do two tests, and then he's booking a fight. Ryan, Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo said he was going to fight in the spring. He's just eligible now. But Conor said that about the two tests. The USANA says McGregor is not enrolled in our testing pool, and we would have to be for six months unless an exception is granted, which we do not think will be applicable. Dude, Connor kind of kind of, I mean, dude, sometimes you try to will stuff into existence. It seems to me like McGregor is trying to I like will it. into existence success. Like Bro, he's got to do six months of testing, Ryan. As excited as. Hey, look, I would expect that reaction from you because that's the reaction of the general public. Most general public, RC. We'll get excited! Wow, and I'm general insiders, public now. Like, you are showing. Hey, I'm general public now. you are. Listen. Wow, you, you know what I'm saying. Listen. Let me finish my thought, RC. And some insiders like you, who are, you are now, is acting like this. You are acting like what's what's it called, Ryan? Whenever it's like you get the world fan, not me. Not the guy that that sits in the octagon all the time. The, you get the guy that loves the World Cup or the guy that calls the football game is like, oh, Conor McGregor's fighting, right? That's you. You're the guy that comes Look with, at my you. guy. Like, you're acting like them. You look, look at him. Look at that. You're acting like, right? You're DC, acting like you haven't been doing this. You don't want to see this dude in the years. ring.
1: I mean, the octagon, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so fired hey, up. RC, he looked like a wrestler. RC we listen. can do everything oh right now, God. DC. Look RC, listen, RC. You, no,
0: I can't believe you've done this now two times. You did this with Izzy, and now you're doing this with Conor McGregor. Hey, put it. Hey, Ryan. What he better not do is go on the pivot. He go on the pivot. He go on don't the do pivot. He DC, don't, do <laughs> no. don't do that, DC. No. No. Don't RC, do that. DC, don't do that. Don't do that, DC.
1: Don't do that. RC, listen.
0: He has to go through testing. But let me tell you one more thing. He's a he looks big, but RC he's really short. Because he's so short, that's yes. why he looks so big, man. He's not that big. I love that you love the guy. But you know what, though? Dude, the, the, the sports fan that does watch Conor McGregor is excited, but they need to understand and slow down. Conor's got some tests to go through before he's eligible to fight. But as with anyone, well, that- th- this, guy's the spar- this guy's the biggest star in the sport, so everybody's excited to watch him fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people are excited. Obviously, I was a little exaggerated because that's my guy. Uh, I, know I do you understand it has so to do crazy, six bro. months. I don't know what's of, wrong with you of, of text uh, of testing. Obviously, because I see Triple C had to do the same thing. But if we were going to make an exception, guys, let's maybe make oh. one for Connor. I'm just saying. But DC, <laughs> you know, you've heard Michael Chandler basically, uh, basically proclaim himself the BMF, and. When you hear him talk in his interviews about having opportunities to fight Conor McGregor, I think everyone's excited about that. And Michael Chandler has already tried to build it up. One, because it's a money fight. And I think, two, because he's fallen a little short against some of the best in the world at 155 pounds. If and when Conor McGregor does step back into the octagon, who should be the opponent, DC?
0: RC, I think it's Michael Chandler. I think, honestly and I, I put this uh, on my YouTube channel last week, It's like, R.C., I think that Michael Chandler's last fight is why he might get the Conor McGregor fight. Because, R.C., we saw him try to wrestle Dustin Poirier, and even though he's a wrestler and he's in phenomenal shape, he did get tired. In that third round, he got tired. Yeah. And when he got tired, he made Very. a mistake, and Dustin submitted him. But he also was willing to stand with the guy that hits hard, a guy that's predominantly a striker, and he tested himself. I think because he fights in that way, it makes a guy like McGregor go, wait a minute, I want him. Because I know this guy's going to be there to fight. I know this guy's going to be there to hit. And I also know that this guy will not be trying to wrestle me the entirety of this fight. He'll, He'll fight me. He'll stand with me. And he doesn't have the background that I have in striking that will allow for me to... Have an opportunity to beat this
1: dude yeah i mean i think like the 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 crazy thing for me is the excitement that that fight would be in the build-up and obviously uh Mm -hmm. michael chandler our dog mc he knows how to build a fight no one's better at building a fight than conor mcgregor and i think the styles would put you in a place where you didn't really have to do much in the lead-up where everyone would understand the type of explosive fight that a Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor fight could bring us. And I think that that would be the most exciting part because at one point in in, in his life, Conor McGregor was one of those champions that every time he stepped into the octagon, you knew that left hand could put a guy out. That has changed. Something else that has changed is that, DC, you once believed that no matter when Kayla, Kayla Harrison stepped into the cage, she was also unbeatable. Corporate Jake?
0: I'm telling you right now, as I look into my camera, whether it's Chris Cyborg, whether it's Amanda Nunez, I don't know who in the world can beat Kayla Harrison right now. I am not confident to say she is losing to anyone. I love Amanda. The reality is I'm talking about a person that I've never seen anything like it. And hey, we've never seen Amanda before. We've never seen a fighter quite like Amanda, but we have seen Amanda get beat. Nobody has even come close to challenging Kayla Harrison. (laughs) I mean, bruh, where y'all be getting this stuff from, man? Why y'all just like, why y'all just keep this stuff? Who does this? Who keeps this all on tap for when something happened after years, Ryan can point to it and go, wow, DC. Wow, you said this. You said this. You said this. So what am I supposed to do now? I mean, come on, man. DC, I mean, DC,
1: DC. Uh, <laughs> Larissa Pacheco would like a word with you right now. She'd like she'd like a word. And I think what she'd say is, I'm her. Right? Wouldn't you think that? I'm her? Because you said you didn't know who, DC. You said, you know, she's, no. and I, I think you said she's unflappable. When I look at. When I look at Kayla Harrison, I think to myself, you know, maybe even if she was fighting a young Daniel Cormier, she would submit me. I think you said something like that. I also think you – and you were like – Matter of fact, you could put Chris Cyborg, Valentina Shevchenko, and you can also put that, Amanda Nunes I in the cage that. with Kayla Harrison at one time. And if all of those people attacked her at one time, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did Shredder at the end oh of Teenage God, Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original up. movie one. There was no way they could beat him. They would need Master Splinter in order to beat her. She's like, Shredder, I remember you saying that, DC. I remember you said it. And listen. Bro, and bro I, what is wrong with what? you? What is That's
0: wrong what with you? That's what you said. Because you know what's crazy? I, we got, guys, we have a group message, and Ryan Clark, right? Y'all remember, I pulled the video up. Okay, Kayla, talk your talk, Kayla. Okay, talk your talk, Kayla. That was Ryan Clark when Kayla was on there talking all that trash. Saturday night she lose or she lost and Ryan texts the group he goes so we're just going to let Kayla Harrison skate off like Nothing happened when when this guy lost. And When this guy group lost, group chat. Group chat. We talking
1: about when him. when Izzy when Izzy <laughs> lost. When Izzy lost, all y'all want to be on the group chat, all fired up. Here comes Glenn. No, hello like, hello is- there. there and, and and then there's Air. And then here comes Jake and Sean and everybody. Everybody wants to text when Izzy loses, but Kayla Harrison loses and crickets. Right, nobody says nothing. No. Then where's DC? You <laughs> on the West crazy. Coast? I know you was awake, bro. but no, nobody wants to say nothing. Then and then, she but beat you know Larissa what? Twice, Larissa bro. said. Larissa said, and the Lord said, you got to rise up. <laughs> Shout out to my boys, Stu Scott. Woo, dog, <laughs> no, dog. No,
0: let me tell you something, Marcy. Yeah, Larissa Pacheco, which is which. Honestly, we should give her credit because she won that fight a lot off of her back. The fifth round, she was on her back the whole time. And she yeah. managed to win that Great round judging. to win the fight. Great that's how da- damages Damage right? is... And that's very telling that the judging was able to score it in that way. They generally don't do that. They put a lot of emphasis on the takedown. But they put more emphasis on the damage that Larissa was doing from her back. But the reality is Kayla has won that fight twice. It took someone three times inside the octagon with her to build a game plan to beat her. And it was still... A forty-eight, forty-seven. So it was three rounds to two. So it's not like Kayla got washed out. But the reality is, it does a lot of damage to her. Bro, why you make so many Harrison
1: excuses is. for Kayla? I'm not. Why making so excuses, many excuses I'm not for excuses. DC? I'm not
0: making excuse. I'm, I'm saying RC, lose that Everybody does... and... else <laughs> I'm saying that it does damage to the idea of who Kayla is. But RC. It was a close fight, and I could imagine that in the long term, we will see these two compete against each other again. But hats off to Larissa Pacheco for doing what she did and beating someone that many thought you
1: included was unbeatable. Well, you know what? I will say this. It is true. I am a Kayla Harrison fan because I love dominance. And listening to her after the fight, you had to feel for her, but also love her competitiveness and how much she cares.
2: To me, my legacy isn't just what I do inside of the cage, but how I carry myself outside of the cage. And I think about what I want my kids to know. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of myself tonight. You know, I'm proud. I went out there, I fought, I lost. But I can hold my head high and carry myself with dignity. And I think that a real champion. Um, shows up in the good times in the bad you know and i want kids everywhere to know that listen i fell down tonight i fell flat on my face i lost in front of the whole world and it hurts and it's gonna hurt for a while but it's also an opportunity for growth it's an opportunity for me to become a better fighter a better person and that is part of my legacy not just the wins you know but what i do during the losses as well
1: dc i'm gonna say this i love that what what, I do love it. I, I, I do love it. And I hope people don't find what I say in my analysis of it as a negative critique. Looking at Kayla after the fight, it reminds me of people, and I'm not saying this is all she is, and, and please don't misunderstand this, but it reminds me of someone having a ton wrapped up in that zero. And what I mean by that is that zero in the loss column. That that means so much to you and that type of dominance because even for us, DC, that was what we always pointed to because we felt like she wasn't fighting the cyborgs. We felt like she wasn't fighting the Amanda Nunezes. And so in doing that, you had to be dominant and not only dominant in the way that the fights took place, but in the loss column. That having that zero in the loss column is what gave us the opportunity to, on shows like this, have conversations about Kayla Harrison as the best in the world at something. When she never fought anyone that we considered in the conversation of best in the world. And so it was always, and it had to be, she, even though she doesn't have the list of names on her resume that say all-time great or say all-time greatest, the way that she's dominated them and not losing puts her in that conversation. When you look at this, how does this affect her perception moving forward and what's the next step for her?
0: Unfairly, RC, when you're in another organization, you like you said, you got to dominate and you got to be undefeated because otherwise they start to view you as not equal to And I'm not gonna sit here and pretend uh, UFC, because that's why some people still call mixed martial arts UFC. So when you're not in the UFC, you gotta be so dominant that it supersedes uh, what people are doing inside the UFC's octagon. You gotta be better, you gotta be a little bit ahead of what they do. By losing, it affects her and the way we view her. But what it also does, and they, they said it on Saturday, it makes it more likely that Chris Cyborg will fight her now than before. Because, again, like Glover, the unknown was what I believe was stalling the Cyborg fight. But I think now as Cyborg's seen her lose, Chris will be like, you know what? Looks like somebody I've fought before. There are a lot of holes in the game, so it's not as unknown. So I think next, Kayla Harrison may get a bigger fight with Chris Cyborg if Bellator is willing to do the co-promotion, which at times they've been able to do and willing to do, they're doing it with Ryzen at the end of the year right now. So I could see her in something bigger. But down the line with another opportunity to win the tournament again and make another million dollars. I got to be honest with you, RC. I watched the fights last last, last weekend uh, for the PFL. And, bro, o- overnight, six people became millionaires. Trem- yeah, Watch. Them win tournaments and people have seen in struggle. We've seen people in Bellator struggle, become millionaires by winning the PFL mm-hmm. tournament. I thought it was I thought it was a great night for the sport of mixed martial arts and great night for the PFL.
1: And that was last week with Kayla Harrison. But this week we have the Stuart Scott Fight Like Hell Week, and that's on Saturday night. Visit v.org slash Stuart. All donations will benefit the Stuart Scott Cancer Research Fund. And like our boy said, everything that you give goes to support those who deal with cancer each and every day. And when you drop that money and when you drop that donation and you show your care, all of us will say a little booyah for our man Stu Scott. And now we're about to go one round with Michael Chiesa, and he has also had his own battle and understands what people that deal with cancer go through daily, and we want to bring him in to have a little talk with him about that journey, what he's learned, and also a little bit about the fight game. What's up, Michael, man? How you doing?
2: What's up, gentlemen? How you guys doing?
1: Oh, doing well, man. I love your beard, bro. It looked like DC's trying to grow one. He got a little baby Gotito.
2: Like he don't really,
1: he don't really have a joint that's full like yours and out and mind. You know what I mean? Like us who can really grow facial hair. Her. us real he men. Baby DC. face. You see, Ryan's <laughs> like
0: 40, Ryan's like Ryan just turned 43.
2: He looks like a kid. Look at him.
0: He looked like a child. I don't child. know man. I got, know, I got I got you know, a lot DC? of grade
2: going on, in DC. You know, I'm I got more grade <laughs> than you, man. <laughs> hey, you start to look, you look
0: hey, you look real bad.
2: Mike, you yeah, know well,
0: we are celebrating. <laughs> We're celebrating the VR and uh, Stuart Scott this month. You see us with the Booyah T-shirts and everything. Uh, cancer is a a a uh, disease that has ravaged so many lives. We know you have personal story with with your father. Uh, do looking at the the positive that this foundation can provide and help people who struggle uh, with this disease. How inspiring is it for a guy like you that's lost somebody so close to you? to cancer.
2: You know I feel like this is part of my purpose now now that my dad has passed on, you know um, it's kind of like there was a point in time where I asked why was this happening to me and my family whereas now it's it's kind of like a sense of empowerment because now I need to be there to help people. And I think when it comes to the the purpose of the V Foundation, I feel like right now we got to honor the people we've lost from the past by doing the most we can for the people that are in the fight in the present, and to try to make it to where people in the future don't have to go through this fight. So it's about honoring the people in the past, taking care of the people in the present, trying to protect the people in the future. And I'm glad that I can play a small part in this. Um, I know my dad would be very proud of me, not for what I've done just only with my career, but just doing everything he told me to do. And, And to honor Stuart Scott, man, you want to talk about a guy, he was going through his battle with cancer at the same time as my dad. And as I was going through The Ultimate Fighter, I didn't have my phone or social media, but all the social media staff were like, Hey, Stuart Scott is like on board with the Kiesas, you know, your, your mission on the ultimate fighter. Um, you know, and I actually got to meet Stuart thereafter and and we had a lot of really good conversations and it's funny how life kind of comes full circle. I remember watching, I used to watch bulls games with my dad all the time. We watched a lot of basketball and I just remember Stuart Scott, you know, he was, he was always the booyah guy. He's the guy that was always as cool as the other side of the pillow. You know, it's, uh, and for him to kind of be a part of my process, and now it's coming full circle, and I'm, I get to kind of help f- represent my dad and, and, and kind of represent Stuart as well. So um, it's crazy, man, and, and uh, I miss them both tremendously.
1: You know, Stuart said uh, when you die, uh, that doesn't mean that you lose to cancer. You know, he said you beat cancer uh, by how you live, uh, why you live, and also the manner in which you live when people look at Michael Kiesa and they also look at the way that your father lived, what are you trying to do every single day now in your life to honor not only your father, but many of those who were taken by cancer?
2: You know, my dad, he left two very important, he instilled very, two very important parts of my character, and I try to embody them every day. And it's always to work hard, show up no matter what, no matter how you feel, You always got to show up for work. My dad never took a day off from work, whether he felt good or he felt bad. Even through his battle with cancer, before we we knew he was sick, he kept going to work. No, He he was so ill, and he had no idea what he was going through, but he would not miss a day of work. He was so adamant about showing up every day. So it's that and also be a man of your word. You know, If you tell somebody you're going to do something, you got to stick to your word. And so that kind of plays in part with things like this when it comes to joining the fight and, and helping people with cancer is I have to do my part and be a man of my work. If I say I'm going to do something, I have to stick to it. It's not just about me. It's about the people around you and the people that you have to be accountable for. So it applies to a lot of things in my life. And, and uh, I'm very thankful that he instilled those things within me.
1: Yeah,
0: man. I love that. You know, we do that. this show every year and it is one of the most challenging shows on the UFC's calendar. And we have talked about it before. Obviously, you, you know, my my history with my father uh, losing his battle to cancer. You're on the desk this weekend. Uh, and to be a part of this, how excited are you to be able to be there on that night where so much is being raised to try to help fight this disease?
2: And man, D.C., it is an honor. And, um, you know, I remember that moment we had at the desk when we were talking about your 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 father and my father and—, and what we had went through and the, it was hard for me to kind of hold back my emotions in that moment but i'm preparing for this it's very important that i maintain good stature good posture i believe that if time permitting people will see um a little bit of my life story and what my experience was going through my dad's battle with cancer but it's just i i am so honored to to be a part of this to be a part of such an important night for for the espn family for the jimmy v foundation for honoring a guy that was uh, an, an idol to me and the, the person that raised me, so I'm really excited to be a part of this. I, I'm gonna do everything in my power to try to get as many people to donate and uh try my best not to cry. I gotta keep my I gotta keep my stuff together.
1: Yeah, it is hard, hey, man. You don't have to keep it, you don't have to keep <laughs> your stuff together, man. I think one thing yeah. that I found uh most authentic and that's actually made me gravitate to so many different fighters is, I see you dudes as gladiators and the things that you all do in the octagon, the stuff that you put your bodies through, but to see you guys show that emotion, to understand how great you guys are as fathers and as sons and as family members, I think it truly allows fans like me who are on the outside to feel some connection to humans who do things that we could never do, man. So I just wanna let you know I'm honored uh, that you are now gonna sit in one of these seats that we sit in and that you're doing it with such a heart to excel at it, but also honoring two people and obviously your father being one of them that meant so much in your life. And now, as we fast forward to the main event, you know, you're know you gonna get an opportunity to see Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight Kevin Holland. When you look at this matchup, what are you most looking forward to see happen in the octagon when these two men meet up?
2: Well, I mean, just stylistically, it's a really fun fight. You know, Kevin Hollins came out publicly and said, you know, he prefers to fight strikers at this point in his career and I think that he's kind of selling himself short because you look at the guys that have out wrestled him. It's not like he's gotten out wrestled by scrubs, you know. He, he's fought really tough guys up at 185 pounds. So it, it's a win. It, there's not as much on the line for Kevin Holland as there is Wonder Boy Thompson because Wonder Boy Thompson is two months away from his 40th birthday on back-to-back losses, but he's in a stylistically favor, He's in a he's in a favorable matchup. So this is a fight where Wonder Boy it, it's very winnable, and I think the bookmakers would agree. I don't think the line has, has swayed too much. And I think this is a good fight for, for wonder boy. It's just Kevin Holland. You know, he presents a different type of striking style that the wonder Boy's ever faced. He's tall. He's going to have a reach advantage. He's got a thunderous left hand or right hand. Sorry. And, um, and he's tough. And, and, and there's the X factor mm. with Kevin Holland is the talking. I mean, you would right. think that that's such a small thing, but that's a big <laughs> right. thing. If if you're, if you're in a tough fight and a guy starts chirping in your ear, you you, you, t- you <laughs> can lose focus. So that's something that Kevin right. Holland actually uses very well, but um, I'm looking forward to it, man. This is a, this is a people's main event. This is a fun fight. Um, and of course it's in my division. So, you know, I will be paying very, very close attention.
0: You know, I feel like Kevin Holland is getting this matchup based on stepping up to the Chemiah fight, uh, fighting on short notice on a day against a guy that was a horrible matchup for him. So he's getting uh, the ability to fight a striker. But here's the question. Is this as great a matchup as it seems on paper for Kevin? Because we have seen Stephen Wonderboy Thompson really become a roadblock for so many young fighters trying to make their way up the welterweight division. And Michael, you're a guy that's also been in there with some of the best at welterweight. Is this really as favorable a matchup for Kevin? And also, what are your prospects for the future? Because as good as you are at the desk, you still got time to fight and build a career. And I think that's where the focus has to remain.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a fighter first, man. I got a lot of tread left on my tires. Um, you know, and I don't want to get into myself. This is about Kevin Holland and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Look, I know that the UFC doesn't like when we talk about the size of the octagon. But when I talk about how Steven Wonderboy fights, I have to bring up the 30-footer. I mean, it it favors Steven so much to have that much real estate to move because this is a guy that thrives on his angles, thrives on his lateral movement, darting in and out of range. And when you take away that space and put him in there in a small octagon like they did when he fought Bala Muhammad, I mean, that favors guys like Bilal. That favors guys who want to close the space, put him on the fence and take him down. And in this fight, it is a lot more even than you would think. I mean, while this is a matchup that Kevin wanted, and he wanted to fight a striker, this isn't the easiest striker to face, especially under these circumstances. I, in, in, that big, in that big octagon, that's so much room for Steve Wonderboy to move. I mean, you even saw in the Gilbert Burns fight, he still had some success until Gilbert was, Gilbert was able to get him in the ground. And I think that's a big part of the size of the octagon that he was in. Whereas the Bala Muhammad fight, he just got smothered. So, uh, you know, I think that I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think that's the best way to put it. I think that it's going to be Stephen Wonderboy's a, a tough out for anybody that wants to, to fight a striking style of fight. Um, but we'll see what happens.
1: Well, man, listen, I look forward to hearing everything that you have to say. I'm also excited that you get an opportunity to do something that's so near and dear to your heart. But, bruh, we need to see you back in the octagon, man. The world misses you, all the fans. Miss you, and we understand that every time you step in there, it's going to be absolute excitement, man. So best of luck this weekend. We know you're going to do a great job. And if you drop at least, like, one
2: glory tear, like Denzel did, <laughs> you'll be all right, man. <laughs> uh, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm looking forward to the fights this weekend. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you guys later.
0: Kiesa. Kiesa, don't run. Golf this weekend in Orlando. Golf this yeah? weekend in Orlando. Stop running. Okay. Stop running. Okay. I'll bring the sticks. I'll bring the sticks.
2: I'll bring the sticks. Just make, some, make sticks. sure you bring some. Bring some cash. I don't accept Venmo.
0: <laughs> hey, right, right. look at that right. pointing point his face, right. Hey, get out my face, little boy. Get out my face, little boy, and get off my show. Get out my
1: face, little boy, and get on my show. Hey, <laughs> hey man, stop pointing at people, man. Stop pointing at people. I think, man. <laughs> Uh, for for us, DC, and, and for me especially, Stuart Scott is the only reason I get to sit here today. Stuart Scott is why many of the analysts today, many of the hosts, many of the commentators get to be themselves. It's the reason you and I, uh, two black kids, uh, now black men from Louisiana, get to use the slangs we use, get to have the sayings that we that we say and get to have an opportunity to express our own personalities and be accepted. Mm-hmm. Stuart Scott was a trailblazer in that. Stuart Scott made me want to do this job. I would sit in front of the mirrors, from the front of the mirror and say things that Stu Scott said. I'd sit in front of my parents and I'd pretend that I was on TV or that I was sitting on Sports Center, And it wasn't because of anybody but him. He was the first man or the first person that I ever watched do this job. And I said, man, Not only do I think I can do that, maybe never as good, but he made me believe that it was possible for me to do that. And so Mm -hmm. to Stu Scott, man, to his family, uh, we still miss you, brother. But your impact, uh, your inspiration, there will never be a day, there will never be a year, there will never be a week or month that we sit here and we aren't grateful for everything that you did to pave the way for us.
0: Absolutely, Ryan. You know, so well said, as you have become just a master at putting your words together in these situations. But I kind of will say a lot of the same things in regards to who Stuart Scott was. He was cool. Like, he was a cool sportscaster. Yeah, for real. And not everybody was cool on television, you know. And when you started to hear him say some of the things that he would say, I was like, wow, he said that on TV? and then he would quote rap lyrics, and he would make jokes, and he was doing... I just called Michael Chiesa a little boy because that's what people would say back home. Nobody was saying stuff like that on television before until Stuart Scott opened the door to you being able to just be yourself and show personality. And as it started with so few, it became more and more a part of the culture of sports broadcasting. That is all owed to Stuart Scott. You know, he was just truly a a titan of, of television and a guy that I ran into him one time, R.C., in Washington, D.C. He was coming out of a uh-huh. hotel, and I ran. Like, I was like, oh, my goodness. That's Stuart Scott. It, uh, you, you just right. didn't see <laughs> right. people from television and go, I, I yeah, got to see Stuart Scott, and he just was one of those guys. But, R.C., in honor of Stu, we are going to draft, because, you know, we love drafts, and it's like, I'm a bully on the playground that loves to beat on you. So... DC, we have to draft. you
1: cannot cheat. You cannot cheat in the Stuart Scott draft. If you cheat on the Stuart <laughs> Scott draft, DC, that's going to be the worst of the worst, bro. Do not hey, cheat. Bro, Corporate J, can you, you, think you tell I us what And tell DC the rules. I do. I do. <laughs> okay.
0: Wait, wait, Jake, really, really fast, really fast, Jake. He is getting first pick based on essentially like the worst record in the NFL because he's lost. So he's got the number one pick because of his win-loss record, right? Because he's been losing so much, he has. You have tanked your way to the number one draft pick. So okay, no, go DC, ahead.
1: no DC. You know what it is, DC. You know what it is when the league. Finds and suspends people that are part of organizations that cheat, you know, whether it's Deflate Gate, <laughs> whether it's Spy Gate, all of those things. Bonding normally, Bonding. They got me from yeah, Bonding, yeah, hey, G- like lo- the Saints, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. L- lo- normally those teams lose <laughs> draft picks, DC. So it's more because <laughs> of your actions than mine. And so at the number one pick, okay, and I'm gonna start here because I think this is this is one that everybody knows from Stu Scott. It's gotta be Booyah, bro. Like that was that was yeah, something. Like best. I don't even know if, like I don't even know if I heard it often before Stuart Scott started to use it or ever mm-hmm. heard it. And then you heard it so much afterwards. So I'm going with booyah for my first one, DC. Yeah, yeah. Could I be honest,
0: bro? Can I just say something without like? Could I say something without like? I don't want you know how you have to explain what you're gonna say about Kayla Harrison. Like I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna just kind of have my disclaimer that I'm not being racist. <laughs> I'm not being racist, dog. But Michael Kiesa just said, as cool as the other side of the pillow. Bro, Michael Kiesa is from Washington. He's a white dude from Washington, (laughs) lives in the Pacific Northwest, (laughs) and he knows that. So everybody knows that one. Everybody knew Pia, and everybody knew that one. So I'm taking as cool as the other side of the pillow because guess what? Bro, if it hits to Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, when Michael Kiesa's listening to it, then Stuart Scott really did hit home with that call. All right, right, here's my number This was important to me. This was
1: important.
0: Hey, Ryan, you you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here. I I like Yeah, okay. Everybody, you know, everybody, you ain't got to get, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of my crib. They say it at home, and Stuart Scott just started saying it on television. So that's my number two. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here, man.
1: Okay, my number two is make all the Kim folk proud Pookie, Ray Ray, (laughs) Moesha Nim, because you know. First off, my nickname in high school was actually Ray Ray. Some seniors nicknamed me that oh. when I was a freshman. We, hey, we all know Moisha, And if you don't know Moisha, you know when Brandy played Moisha, And everybody yep, know Pookie because yep, yep. it be calling me, man. And somebody in the hood was named Pookie. So that's going to be my number two. That's, that, that's my number two. At number three, I'm going to have to hit you with the, and the Lord said you got to rise mm. up. Because one thing we yep, all know, yep, man, yep. when you went to them Southern Baptist churches, you was going to have some preacher in there that lost his breath at some point in the sermon just screaming for no reason. But he was going to finish it with, yep. and the Lord said you got to rise up, and everybody in the deacon's booth or everybody on the deacon's aisle was going to mm-hmm. pass out like that was the greatest thing they would ever heard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm not going to okay. lie. That's a good one. But, hey, if we talk in church, can I get a witness from the congregation. I mean, that was another one. Gay yep, right. Yep, you know that. Okay. Every, if we talk in church, if we go in church, can I get a witness from the congregation? I'm taking at number three. At number four, dude, I love. I used to love this one, right? Because he would be talking about all the best rebounders, Rodman, all them dudes. They call him the Windex Man because he always cleaning the glass. That was one that I always appreciated because every time he was talking about basketball and he was talking about those great rebounders, Elijah Wan. Weidman, uh, no, not Weidman, Rodman, Olajuwon, Rodman, Ewing. They call him the Windex Man because he always cleaning the glass. I always like that one, Ryan. So that'll be my number four.
1: Okay, well, I got. how about this one? This is one they ain't put on the list for us, DC, so you ain't ready for this one. It's your world, okay, kid. Gonna... The rest of us are still paying rent. Ooh, see, you wasn't even ready for that one, D.C. I wasn't ready for that one. That was what you just got off the internet.
0: That's what you just stole. You brought that one in there.
1: Hey, I didn't steal it, man. I'm just telling you what they said. And the last one I'm going (laughs) with is playing his enemies like a game of chess. I win. Mm, I win the most important draft we've ever had. The most. Do you have a pick
0: still? I still got one more pick. D.C. got a pick? Hey, hey. Listen, hey, hey. Jakey you But Hey, first off. Jakey you Hey, f- Hey, first off, flag for excessive celebration. Flag for flag for doing way too much too early. Like, bro, you don't get to just excessively celebrate one point away from Ryan Clark. Hey, I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. So, you know, like gravy on a biscuit. It's all good. It's all good, RG. <laughs> like gravy on a biscuit. <laughs> it's you, all good. I left that one for I you. Mean, I
1: left that one for you. Come on. You I left that love one that for you that, a, you. that was a good one. It's all good. (laughs) Hey, you know what, man? Honestly, I think, you know, just to be able to say it one more time, obviously here's my list. I think just an opportunity to get a a chance to speak about Stuart Scott. For us to have an opportunity to be here says a lot about what he was able to do in this game and the way that he changed it and the fearlessness in which he uh, approached his job. But it is so exciting, man, to be on the show – With you speaking about the UFC, bro, and having an opportunity to talk about Stuart Scott. So, to Jake, Sean, Eric, Glenn, everybody, man, I'm so grateful y'all gave us this opportunity. And to Stuart Scott, I'm so grateful you blazed the trail to allow this opportunity for us as well.
0: Yeah, man, I thank you guys for allowing us to really pay our respects to Stuart. You know, we loved it. We loved the guy, man. He was all, he always meant so much to. Everybody uh, around the world, especially, you know, like Ryan said, young black men in our community, watching someone like us do the job that he was doing, unbelievable. So thank you guys again, and support the yeah. V Foundation. Help, guys. It's a, simple, it's a simple ask, and it can affect so many lives. Uh, Stuart, thank you for being who you were, man. We miss you. Thank you for embracing mixed martial arts the way that you did. At a time yeah, when it he wasn't did, known as the most popular sport, you really did embrace the sport and shine a light on it that's allowed for us to move forward as we have today. So thank you again, R.C. It was join the V Foundation, uh, support the V Foundation. We we appreciate all of you. And make sure you enjoy the fights on Saturday
3: night from Orlando because it's going to be tremendous.
1: Corporate Jake, it's time to tap in or tap out. Grab the God mic.
3: All right, guys. Earlier today, Nate Diaz officially became a free agent as his UFC contract has expired. So, DC, tap in or tap out. The next time we see Diaz fight will be versus Jake Paul.
0: I tap in. I think, I think Diaz is going to fight Jake Paul. I really do. It, everything seems right. Everything seems right for that to be the fight. Just because Nate is the opponent type, that we seem to see Jake Paul in with, a guy that is no longer in the UFC, a guy that has a boxing background or has the ability to box but would not seem as dangerous. I thought Anderson Silva was very dangerous, but as you know, Nate beats you with volume. He isn't the guy that just knocks you out. So I think that kind of plays to uh, what Jake Paul would look for in an opponent, especially a guy that could help to move the needle because he's never had a guy in there with him that moves the needle like Nathan Diaz.
1: And that's exactly why I tap in. I feel like Jake Paul is a marketing genius, and he's understood how to continue to build a boxing career while being a marquee name in boxing without having the right opponent or the opponent that elevates you, at least in that game. Nate Diaz is going to be perfect from style of fight, from opportunity to win, but also his clan and the supporters of Nate Diaz will show up to root against Jake Paul. Corporate Jake.
3: Yesterday, Alex Pereira came out and said he'd fight Hamzat Shemaev at light heavyweight. However... Hamzat wants to fight the champ in Brazil in January. RC, tap in or tap out on Pereira versus Hamzat at 2.05.
1: I tap in on it. Like, if if everybody's going to do it, I tap in. Why wouldn't you? I think if you're Hamzat Chemaev, it says a lot about you. It says that you believe you can fight at any weight and you can win, especially after watching Alex Pereira get an opportunity to put the champ out, Izzy, Israel Adesanya when he almost seemed unbeatable at 185. This would show that both of these dudes are real fighters. Neither one of these dudes are scared at all, and I believe it would be an absolute blockbuster for the UFC if they could put this fight on.
0: I think it would be a tremendous fight. I don't understand 205. I, I understand it from Poiton's, uh side because he said that he just had a hard weight cut when you see the guy. You don't even understand how he he's ever huge. makes 185 pounds. He's massive. So I understand that 205. I don't understand it for the Chimaev side. But if he's willing to do it, tapping all the way in, I would love to see these two dudes compete. But my question is though, is it just not for a belt anymore because uh, yeah is the 85 pound champion, not uh, yeah. The it w- the, It wouldn't the be the a belt heavyweight champ. All
3: right, guys. Bantamweight contender Marlon Chito Vera has a new tattoo, and it is hard to miss. He is sporting what looks like a tiger cat with blood coming from his claws. As two men who have tattoos of their own, DC, tap in or tap out on the head tattoo.
0: I tap out, man. That shit looks, it looks terrible. I don't understand why these dudes putting tattoos on their head. Here's the problem. Let me ask you this. Look, I've got some tattoos. I've got some tattoos on my arms. I've got some tattoos on my leg, on my back. But guess what? I got tattoos. They can all be covered. So if I got to do a job, which we do today, I have tattoos that can be covered. I don't get stuck or pigeonholed into one place to work. Sure, you could do television and fighting. With tattoos like that, I'm not sure you can just go anywhere. So I'm tapping out.
1: I'm not, listen, I'm not tapping out because of what I can't do as a job. Right, because I've worked long enough to realize, man, if you do any job good enough, they'll probably let you do it. Eh. What I am tapping out is on that Mickey Ficky pain, Bro, I could not imagine (laughs) feeling and hearing that needle in my brain Mm. for that long. I'm going to be honest with you, DC. I'm not the best tattoo receiver. I'm going to be honest. I'm not the best tattooee. That junk hurts. I got full sleeves. I got back tattoos. They all hurt. So getting one on your head. I pass. Tap out. Could
0: it? Could you imagine like you'd hear you'd hear it like hitting your, mm. your
2: like,
0: oh, oh, it's like it's like hitting the ground the yeah. whole time. No way. Corporate
1: Jake.
3: I'm cool. Let's go, with Corporate Jake. Last Friday, with our own RC in the crowd, Arizona State and Arizona's mascot got into a fight on the sideline. They were throwing some serious haymakers and had to be separated. RC, tap in or tap out on mascots throwing hands.
1: Listen, D.C.'s going to understand this. If you can't win the game, win the fight. I tap all the way in <laughs> yeah. on this. And here's what's funny. The Sun Devil didn't think it was really serious at first. So he was kind of playing around, knocked the Wildcats' hat off, and the Wildcat kind of went after him. And the Sun Devil turned around <laughs> like, oh, all right, this for real? I know it seems like that Sun Devil has on Adidas in Arizona State University colors I'm telling you right now, this dude had to walk into the stadium in black Air Force Ones because that's the type of energy he had when the mascot started fighting.
0: Hey, hey RZ, let me tell you something, man. I'm tapping in because, dude, did you see the Wildcat head just going side to side? Look, if your head First, just goes side too to side, big like a that, you got problems.
1: <laughs> it's too big a target, head, right? though, bro. I mean, they, his head just they going set side him up. to side with
0: every shot that's landing. Ed Ball got lit. They set Wilbur oh, up. Yes, I love that. <laughs> they set.
1: <laughs> they <laughs> set Wilbur up. This is like this is like me stepping into the octagon right now. That's I'd be Wilbur. Flip, 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 flip.
0: His ass got Heck pieced no, up, man. man. He got pieced up bad. He got pieced up. I tap. Bad. I, I tap like, all yeah, the way tap in, man.
1: Hey, DC, I tap man. We had a, we had a great fight. time, man. We had to take a ta- great time doing this show again, guys. I want you to tap in v.org slash All donations will benefit the Stuart Scott Cancer Research Fund. This is extremely important to so many people, to so many families. This Saturday night, fight like hell in honor of Stuart Scott. We are so grateful to get an opportunity to pay respects to one of the greatest men to have ever sat in these seats, D.C. And D.C., I hope you win your golf game this week. I hope you bring your sticks yeah, yeah. and your money. Remember, Michael Chiesa does not take Vimodo bro. That little boy said, I ain't no Venmo around here now, brother. (laughs)
0: Hey, 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 he said he ain't taking no Venmo, but I'm going to whip his butt, man. I'm telling you that much. I'm going to golf all week in Orlando. Work, go to the golf course. Ryan Clark. I bet your work pants so tight. I bet your
1: golf pants tight as hell.
0: (laughs) I like them tight. ESPN 2 at midnight Eastern. YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Catch DC and RC Weekly on Tuesday. Until next time, guys. Peace. Hey,
1: we appreciate y'all.